Welcome to the Victor Orlando Podcast. We exist to reach people with the life-giving message of Jesus and to connect them with their purpose. To learn more about us, visit us at victoryorlando.com. Thanks for listening. We pray that you are encouraged and inspired by today's message. Last week, we had week number one. We looked at the life of David, how David is the only person in Scripture to be given this title, a man after God's own heart. Man, what a title, a man after God's own heart. There's more written about the life of David in the Bible than anybody except for Jesus. I think there's something God wanted us to recognize about David. David has 66 chapters in the Bible written about his life. He's mentioned in the New Testament 59 times. And uh, the next closest one is Father Abraham. He has 14 chapters. So there's a bit of a discrepancy there that God is putting all this attention, all this a focus on this man and his life and his experiences and his story. David, the good, the bad, the ugly, and the places we wish we could all forget. And God put it all there so that we could learn something from it. So that as we go through life, we can learn from what David went through and learn to grow closer to God to kind of get ourselves to this place where we can be people after God's own heart. So my message title for today, if you're taking notes on your phone or on your, you know, on the back of your worship guide, there's a place you can take notes. The message title today is this, is Portrait of a Giant Killer. Portrait of a Giant Killer. See, all of us have giants in our life. We know the giants. We face them all the time. There's those things in our lives that want to seem impossible, that want to seem too big to overcome, right? Maybe it's a giant of, of debt that you're facing. Maybe it's a relationship giant. Maybe it's, you know, a a giant of not enough money this month to pay for all the bills. Whatever that giant is, maybe it's a diagnosis from a doctor. Maybe it's just a heaviness. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's anxiety. Whatever that is, it's a giant in our life, and it's trying to overcome us. It's trying to push us down. It's trying to choke the life out of us. But God hasn't called us to cope with it, to deal with it, to cohabitate with these giants. God has called us to be giant killers, to cut the head off these things, to have victory over these things in our life. We're not called to just to deal with it and let it abide with us. No, we're called to be more than conquerors, to be overcomers, because that's who God called us to be. So what is a giant killer, the portrait of a giant killer. If you've got your Bible today, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Maybe you've got the YouVersion Bible app on your, your phone. You can get it on your iPad or whatever. It's a free app. I encourage you to get that. And you can turn in there and I'll see the little glow on your face from your phone. I love that. I'm just going to pretend like you're taking notes and you're not on Facebook or something. It makes me feel better. 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see the story of how to kill a giant. We see the picture of what a giant killer looks like. We see what it's like when somebody has faith in the midst of an impossible situation. As we begin the chapter, we see the description of the scene telling us what it's like. The children of Israel, the armies of Israel are in the Valley of Elah, which for us is in, uh, right outside of modern-day Tel Aviv in Israel. There's a valley there. And on one side of the valley, there's mountains, and they're rocky mountains, and it's the armies of Israel. They're encamped in, on this one side. And on the other side of the valley, there's another mountain range, and it's all rocky, and the armies of the Philistines are over there on this other side. So we have two armies coming against each other, about to do battle. The Philistines are attacking the people of Israel. They're coming after their territory. Make no mistake, we have a spiritual enemy, the devil, and he's after your territory. 
He's attacking you. Scripture says he's roaming the earth looking for those he can devour. He's not there to play nice with you to see if we can just, oh, can we both be here? No, the devil wants to take you out. Scripture says the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you would have life and have it more abundantly. The enemy wants to take you out. He wants the territory of your family. He wants the territory of your home. He wants the territory of your mind. He wants the territory of your purity. He wants the territory of your children and your children to come and generations of your family. He's coming after you. He wants to take you out. And this is where the children of Israel found themselves out. They're about to do battle in this valley. And you need to know the battle is always in the valley. It's always in the valley. But you need to know, too, there's, that's where the most beautiful grass is in the valley. Right? Scripture says that. He leads us beside still waters. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. And when you get up to the mountaintop, we all want to be on the mountaintop, right? But when you get up to the mountaintop, it's usually lonely up there because it's a lot higher elevation. All the vegetation has died off and the wind is blowing. It's a lot colder. The mountaintop always seems like, I want to be there. But man, there's the battle is in the valley, but the victory is in the valley. Don't overlook the season that God has put you in. I wish I wasn't facing this thing right now. Man, God has put you in this season. He's created you for more to overcome, to achieve victory in that season. So don't overlook. You need faith in the valley. So the Philistines are there. They're coming after the children of Israel, and they decide to kind of switch things up. Normally, the two armies would line up in battle formations, and they would come at each other. And, man, there would be so much bloodshed, and so many soldiers would die. So the Philistines said, what if we, instead of letting all of our men die in this battle, what if we just sent out our best champion? I'll tell you what. We'll send out our best champion. You send out yours, and they'll have a one-on-one combat to the death. The winner, their side, will rule over the losers. So that's what they did. They sent out their very best champion. His name was Goliath. In verse 4, 1 Samuel chapter 17, Then Goliath, a Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks to face the forces of Israel. He was over nine feet tall. That is a big dude, y'all. Nine feet tall, over nine feet tall. Just to give you a little point of reference, we have these curtains that we put up in here. Those are eight feet tall. So when you walk by, like, the dude was a big dude. He's so big, he wore a bronze helmet. He wore a bronze coat of mail that weighed 125 pounds. Y'all, my jacket, I don't know if it weighs a pound. 125 pounds. He also wore bronze leg armor, and he carried a bronze javelin on his shoulder. The shaft of his spear was as heavy and as thick as a weaver's beam. One translation says it was the size of a fence post. That's how big his spear was. And it was tipped with an iron spearhead that weighed 15 pounds. His armor bearer walked ahead of him carrying a shield. Goliath was huge. The dude had never lost. He was a champion. Because in that day, if you lost, you were dead. (laughs) He hadn't lost. He defeated all of his enemies. He was a champion. He was massive. He was intimidating. And isn't that the picture of our giants? They just seem impossible. Those things that kind of come and other people are like, well, you can never overcome that. Just better deal with it. Just go see if that person can help you. Go over there, take this, whatever. Just cope with it, just deal with it, because you'll never be able to overcome that. But man, that's not the spirit that God has given us. That's the spirit of the enemy. The giant Goliath came, and the scripture says that for 40 days, 
40 days, morning and night, he would come out. He would yell at the armies of Israel. He would defy them. He would curse at them. He would offer them this challenge. He would make fun of them. And isn't that what our giants do? It doesn't just come one day. It doesn't just come for one week. It comes day after day, morning and night. It doesn't seem like we can ever escape this thing. Man, what is going on? And man, it's always those impossible things. Verse 8, Goliath stood up, shouted a taunt across the Israelites. Why are you even coming out to fight? What are you even going to do against me? Don't you see how big I am? And that's what our giants tell tell to us. What are you even going to do? He said, I'm a Philistine champion, but you, you're just a servant of Saul. That's what our giants want to do. They want to try to reassign our identity, right? They want to begin to try to tell us who we are, begin to tell us what we can do, right? Uh, who are you? You're, you're just that kid from Orlando. What are you even going to do from East Orlando even? Like, like they don't know what's happening. The devil doesn't know what's happening in East Orlando. Like, there's a revival starting in East Orlando. See, our enemies, they want to reassign and begin to lie to us and try to convince us that we're not who God said we are. But do you know God said that you are his son, his daughter, you're an heir with Christ? Like you are more than a conqueror. You are not the bottom. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and not beneath, right? Come on now. I've got to get you guys fired up this morning. He said, he said, choose a man to come down here and fight me. If he kills me, then we'll be your slaves. But if I kill him, you'll be our slaves. Today I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight me. Let's get laying down, throwing down. It's the original throwdown right there. I want you to see how God's, how the mighty people of God that God had delivered and brought into this land. I want you to see their response to this challenge. I'm just, I can imagine how, how bold they were. They just rushed out there to fight this guy. Here in verse 11, when Saul and the Israelites heard this, they were terrified and, and deeply shaken. One translation says they were gripped with fear. I don't know if you've ever been gripped with fear before, but man, when we face a giant, we face the same thing. We have the same decision. See, it says that they would run and hide in the caves whenever the giant would come out. They would hide. They were terrified. They didn't know what they were going to do. See, in this moment, they forgot everything that God had done for them. They forgot all the moments that God had shown up in their life and done great things. They'd forgotten how the Red Sea split before them and how God had brought them across on dry land and then drowned their enemies. They'd forgotten that the Jericho walls had fallen down when no other army was ever able to invade Jericho. God had brought those walls down. They forgot how God made the sun stand still in the sky so they could achieve victory over their enemies. They forgot all the moments that God had shown up for them. And in this moment, a giant is yelling at them and they're terrified. They're gripped with fear. They don't know what to do. They're running and hiding in caves. And we are faced with the same decision when a giant comes and starts yelling at us. We can run hide in fear. We can be gripped with fear. What am I going to do? Or we can step out in faith because we know God is with us. That he's fighting for us. What giant can come against me? God is on my side. We face the same decision every day. I put my trust in you, Lord, all day long. I love the next verse, verse 12. It's the introduction of somebody with some boldness, somebody with some faith in God, somebody who knew that God was on their side. Verse 12, it says, now David. Everybody say, now David. No, so you got to say it with some swagger. Say, now David. Come on. Now David was the son of a man named Jesse from Bethlehem in the land of Judah. Jesse was an old man now, and he had eight sons. Jesse, his oldest three sons, Eliab, Abinadab, and Shimea, 
I'm glad that my name is not Shimia. And you can thank your mama today. Mama, thank you for not calling me Shimia. They, <laughs> they had all joined Saul's army to join the fight against the Philistines. But David, he was the youngest. See, at this time, you had to be 20 to join, to be a fighting man. David wasn't old enough. His three oldest brothers stayed with Saul's army. But notice what David did. David went back and forth so he could help his father with the sheep in Bethlehem. Remember, it was just one chapter earlier. Just a few verses ago that David was anointed the future king of Israel. But man, he was faithful. He didn't leave his post. I'm the king now. No, he was right back out in the field with the sheep. He was obedient to his father. So what can we learn from the life of David about what a giant killer looks like? If you're taking notes, I want you to write these things down. Number one, giant killers know how to be under authority. Giant killers know how to be under authority. So many times we want to be the boss. We want to be the man on top. Get to the top of the heap, climb the ladder. I want to get there. But what we have to realize is we have to, to have authority. We have to be under authority. David was submitted to his father. His father was like, David, I want you to go and take this bread and some cheese. Basically, I need you to take some cheesy bread and be a pizza delivery boy to your brothers on the front line. And everybody said, amen. Like, when can I go get some cheesy bread? Just, just give me a few more minutes. David, he's like, he wasn't sitting there saying, my, my dad was there when Samuel anointed me. Why didn't he have one of his servants? He knows who I am. I'm the king. I'm going to be the, no. He was like, he's like, okay, dad, I'll go, I'll go. David knew how to be under authority. And so many times I think we get it backwards. We want to be the man. We want to, like, who's going to tell me what to do? But see, what we have to understand is that in order for, for us to be over what God wants to put under us, we have to learn to be under who God has put over us, right? We can't circumvent that process. See, no matter how high you get, you'll always be in a place where you need to be under authority. So who can speak into your life? Who can say something to you? Who is leading in your life? When someone brings godly correction to your life, do you get offended? Who, Who are you to tell me that? You're going to tell me I need to be in church? What do you, I know best. Can someone speak into your life? Have you learned to be under authority? Giant killers know how to be under authority. So David, he went to take the food to his brothers. He got there to the battle, and he's talking to his brothers, and all of a sudden Goliath comes out, and he's shouting and selling, saying all these things. And I love that Scripture points out, it says that while Goliath was shouting and yelling, that David heard him. I love that. He points it out. All the armies running and hiding, and David hears the giant. Verse 26, David asked the soldiers standing nearby, what will a man get for killing the Philistine and ending this defiance of Israel? <laughs> David, he's just a cool dude. He's like, what, what, what is happening? What is going on? What, what will happen to somebody who takes out this giant? Well, the soldiers, they answered, and they're like, bro, tell you what, if you take out the giant, the king said you're going to get a reward. If you're a giant killer, you're going to get a reward, right? If you kill this giant, the king will give you his daughter as a wife. Come on, somebody who's not married, say, come on. (laughs) If you kill this giant, the king is going to exempt your entire family from paying taxes for the rest of your life, and now we've got everybody's attention. Like, where do I sign up for this one? Like, I'll, I'll go do whatever. Like, no more taxes? Jesus, move in this place. (laughs) See, when you kill the giant, you change your situation. When you kill the giant, your, your, your trajectory towards your destiny changes, right? 
You change your situation. You change your status. Your marital status changes when you kill the giant. When you cut off the head of that pornography addiction that's been in your life, your relationships begin to change. Your trajectory moves towards your destiny. When you begin, when you cut off the giant of that secret sin that you've been hiding, trying to sweep under the rug, man, everything changes. God is going to be moving in your life. When you kill that giant, man, your financial situation changes. Everything changes when you kill the giant. I believe God wants us to respond like David did in the situation, right? Because the devil wants to come and he wants to push us down. He wants to convince us that we can't do it. You'll never be able to beat this giant. I got you this time. You are mine. I love David in his response. Verse 26, he says, Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? Come, He's like, what is happening? Where are you guys at? Right? Giant killers, number two, they know where their confidence comes from. They know where their confidence comes from. It's not cockiness. It's not pridefulness. David was confident. He knew that God was on his side. See, giant killers know that their confidence comes in how they see God. Right? We've got to understand how we're seeing God because how we see God will determine how we approach our giants. Here's what, here's what I mean by that. If we see God as a mad God, if we see him as that big guy in the chair in the sky, you know, like, what do you want? If we see him as that guy, he's throwing lightning bolts at me when I mess up. If we see him as that, that just nice prophet that was written about in the pages, and maybe it's true, maybe it's not. How we see God will determine how we approach our giants. Because if I just see him as this, this kind of God, then when I approach sickness and, and cancer, if I approach this debilitating whatever giant that I'm facing, and I'm like, well, I get... I don't know if God will even hear me. And so, I, I mean, why would I even bother? Like, but I, can I just tell you, that's not who he is. We've got to change how we see him, how Scripture tells us to see him. See, that's what's so important about the Word of God is when we begin to read from the pages, we begin to learn about his character, about his nature, about how he's a loving and good father, about how he's a provider, about how before we even get into a mess that he already knew we'd be there and provided a way out. Come on, about how he is more than able, about how he is a mighty conqueror, about how he is able to save us, about how he defeated hell, death, and the grave, and how he's given us the power to rule and reign in this life. We don't have to live defeated. We have to change how we see him. David knew that he also had to change how he saw himself, that he began to see himself the way that God would see himself. Because here's this kid. No one believed in him. He's not even old enough to be in the army. He shouldn't even be in leadership because he's the youngest. And by his culture back then, he wouldn't have even been considered or allowed to be part of leadership. But here, God has called them least likely, the youngest, the smelly, stinky shepherd boy to be the king, to be the giant killer when everybody else is hiding. David just knew he had learned to see himself the way that God saw himself. He wasn't a screw up. He wasn't a mistake. He wasn't just struggling with everything that came his way. No, he was an overcomer, that he was more more than a conqueror, that he was a son and a daughter of God. See, we've got to begin to see ourselves through the lens of what God's word says about us. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. God created me with purpose. He put me in this point in history because he has a plan for my life. We're called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And David learned to see his circumstances through what the word of God says about them. (laughs) So much we try to see our giants, our situation through the lens of the people in our lives, the voices that we have. 
Ah, man, this is just a big one. How are you ever going to overcome this? Nobody in our family ever came over this. Everybody in our family history has been divorced, and so you probably will too. Like, can I just tell you, just because your history was one thing doesn't mean that's the destiny God has called you to be. You have to learn to see your situation through God's Word. That's why it's so important to open that book up every day. It's not just a book of nice things. Man, it's a book of how we see ourselves. It's a book of how we see our situations. Because when I see my situation through the lens of God's Word, then whatever situation that is begins to diminish and reduce and lose its power over me because I know that greater is He that is in me than he that's in this world. It doesn't matter what comes my way. I already know I've overcome. We need to see our situations through what God's word says about them. David is saying, who is this uncircumcised Philistine man? David stood up and started talking back to this giant, getting, getting, getting back in his face. And I want you to notice as soon as David stood up, started talking back to his giant, notice who started talking back to him. It wasn't the giant. Verse 28, when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing here, bro? What have you even done with those few sheep? You're supposed to be in the fields watching them. I know what's in your heart. You're really prideful and deceived. You just want to see the battle. So, man, isn't it so true? Some of the deepest wounds we have are from those who are closest to us. Yeah. But David has learned a secret. See, this same brother, Eliab, this is the one who, when the prophet Samuel stepped into the room and saw him, like thought, oh, this is the king. Eliab had everything right on the outside, but it said that God said, I've rejected him. He's not the one. I've rejected him. And here we see why, because his true colors are coming out. He's angry. He's jealous. He's untrusting. He's prideful. David, what are you even doing here? You shouldn't be here. You're just that puny shepherd boy. Get out of here. Go back to those sheep, those few sheep you have. Man, Eliab knew all about David's history, but he didn't know that he wasn't connected to David's destiny. So you're going to have to shake off the haters in your life. You're going to have to know the right things to do. You're going to have to get some people in your life who aren't going to be calling out your history, right? We all know our history, right? So why do I need to be surrounded by people who be like, hey, you're not that great anymore. I know you're going to church. You're trying to get right, but let's go party. Remember all those other times we were smoking that stuff? Remember all those things? We were, remember those good times we had? Remember when you were doing this and, and the enemy comes and brings those thoughts? Hey, you're just not good enough. Remember that thing you did? God would never love you. He would never choose you because, no, no. We need to silence those voices right there. Man, we need to surround ourselves with people in our lives who are going to begin to call out our destiny who are going to speak life into us that when we're struggling and be like, I'm going to help you up right here. I'm going to speak the word of God into your life. Those are the people we need. So man, that's why I love connect groups so much because that's what connect groups are. They're not like a, a church thing I need you to go to. Man, I'm just telling you, you can stay with those people you got in your life and you will stay in the place you are. But if you want to be where God is calling you, if you want to kill these giants in your life, you're going to have to get those relationships out of your life. Just cut them up, get those things out, and replace those with godly relationships with people who aren't going to call out your history but are going to be for your destiny, for what God created you to be. I'm thankful for the people in my own life who called out my potential because I wouldn't be here with you in Orlando without somebody doing that for me. So my friend, our founding pastor, Pastor Caleb, man, I was struggling in a point in my life and uh, 
just didn't know where I was going. I was trying to do the right things, but I just couldn't figure it out. And I just felt so alone, and I cried out to God, God, what do you have for me? I know you have something, but what is? Couldn't figure it out. And I remember at that breakfast, Pastor Caleb called me up. Come on, let's go. Let's go to Orlando. Let's do something great. I don't know what. We're going to start a church when we get there. That's what I know. I don't know what we're going to do besides start this church, but let's go do something great. You've got it in you. You can do this. Come on. You're calling things out of me. You see, you need people who are going to call out your potential. David began to step out his potential. And anytime you need to know that, anytime you take that step of faith out, Anytime you step up to a new level, there's always going to be those Eliabs in your life. And you can use all your rocks. David was a shepherd. He had rocks in his bag for his sling. But he knew that he couldn't use all of his rocks in Eliab because then he wouldn't have any left for the giant. Right? Said he only had five, five smooth stones. Number three, giant killers know who they are because they know whose they are. You're a child of God. You are called and anointed for this time. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. Don't let anybody else tell you different. That's who God has called you to be. Don't let the enemy of self-defeat come into your mind and be like, well, I just, I can't. No, you are a child of God. He's called you. He's anointed you. He's asking you, hey, I need you to step up. There's people I've called you to reach. No one else is going to reach. I need you to step into this. It's your time. The time is now. You've got to shake off the haters. You've got to shake off those things, brush them off, because the noise of your momentum moving forward is going to be louder than any voice trying to hate on you, trying to throw shade your way. You just step out into the sun and do what you need to do. And God is going to be with you. Come on. Number four, giant killers stay focused on the right fight. David is there in this moment with Eliab. He could have, I mean, he could have just unloaded right there with Eliab. But listen to him, verse 29. He said, what have I done now? I was just asking a question. One translation says, is there not a cause? Why are you jumping on me? Is there not a cause? There's a giant here defying the armies of Israel. And you're hating on me? Man, David was just like, hey, I've come here to help you. I've come to take this thing out. Giant killers are focused on the right fight. I think sometimes we just, we get into unnecessary fights. We get into unnecessary battles. We step in the way and get in front of somebody else's giant. We take on somebody else's offense. And it's not even ours. It didn't even happen to us. But here we get angry because of something that happened to them. Unnecessary battles. That's so, it's so easy on Facebook, isn't it? <laughs> somebody didn't agree with my opinion. I showed them. (laughs) Isn't it true, though? We get into unnecessary battles. Can I just tell you? That's just a waste of your time, of your effort. It's a waste of your focus. Stay focused on the battles that matter. Same thing, man. Family, people are going to say all kinds of things about you. There's going to be people in your life. You can just write this down. There's going to be people in your life who are going to hate on you, who are going to lie about you, who are going to say mean things to other people about you, and you won't even hear about it until later. Like, it's just going to happen. But man, the train keeps rolling. We're going to keep on moving. David didn't turn and move towards his brother. He kept moving towards his destiny, moving towards the giant. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know it just produces quarrels. But as the Lord's servant, don't be quarrelsome. Be kind to everyone. Be able to teach and not resentful. Man, we just, gotta, we just got to move on. When we're following God's plan, we know haters gonna hate, but just keep moving forward. Keep moving forward. Don't quit. Don't give up. 
Don't give up. Stay focused on the right fight. It wasn't long before King Saul began to hear about David and all the things he was saying. In verse 32, David said to King Saul, he said, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. I will go and fight him. Saul replied, David, David, you're not able to go fight this Philistine. You're just a boy. And he's been a warrior since he was a boy. What do you think you're going to do? You're just a kid, right? Saul is trying to talk David out of it. I love, I love David's response here. Number five, giant killers, remember their victories. Remember their victories. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and killed off one of the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it down. I rescued the sheep from its mouth. If it turned on me, I seized the thing by its hair. I struck it down. I killed it. Man, David was a savage. I love it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Come on, David was remembering his victories. He was beginning to rehearse the things that God had done for me. He was with me in the field when I was a 10-year-old, 12-year-old kid, and I killed a lion with my bare hands. I would grab, I'm just grab that thing and beat it down. Man, David was remembering all the times that God had been for him. He knew it wasn't on his own. He remembered and rehearsed. He talked out loud about when God had showed up for him. So many times we want to talk about our situation. We want to remember all the things, the bad things. Oh, man, I just don't know how it's going to work out. I'm just facing this terrible thing. And I just and then people start like that, start getting attracted to our lives. And then we're surrounded by people and all of us together. We're having this big, big pity party because of we're facing this giant. And I just can never seem to get ahead. And I just we're rehearsing all the things that are going wrong. We got we to gotta stop that. We need to begin to rehearse and speak about all the times God was there for us. Like, Pastor, I, I don't have much right now. You have breath in your lungs. God, thank you. You gave me a life today. Scripture says we're not promised tomorrow, but we have today. Man, thank you, God, for giving me life today. Thank you, God, for giving me the clothes on my back. Thank you, God, for giving me a roof over my head when it's raining, for giving me AC when it's hot. Forgive me heat when it's cold. God, thank you that I've never gone hungry, that you've never left me. Thank you for giving me Jesus to save me from my sin. We need to begin to speak about, begin to rehearse all the good things that God has done for us. All the times that he's shown up for us. We need to get rid of all that other stuff and just let the good things come out of our Begin to rehearse those things. Remember the victories and not let the devil come in and beat us up with all the other things. See, we need, too many times we begin, we remember the things that we should forget. We forget the things that we should remember. We just need to turn the tail on that thing and begin to remember the things that God has done for us. Forget about those former things. God said, I'm doing something new. I'm doing something great in your life. Don't even consider those old things. They'll never come again. David began to move towards the giant. King Saul said, all right, you can go. The Lord be with you. But... I want you to wear my armor. I'm going to give you my way, my strategies to do it so that I can define the terms of your victory so that if you beat him, then I can get the credit. (laughs) Right? So many times that happens in our lives. People want to try to tell us how we should be. But David knew that God had given him weapons. God had created him. He hadn't created him to be Saul. God had rejected Saul and was bringing in a David. 
He didn't need those things that Saul had. God has created you to be you, and he's called you and given you the things that you need to accomplish his purpose. So stop trying to be somebody else. Stop trying to be somebody else. Don't die a copy. Be you. God made you an original. So David, he said, I can't go in these. I'm not used to them. So David, he took those things off. He began to move towards the giant. Verse 41, Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering at contempt at the ruddy-faced boy. He said, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here, I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. See, the giants, they want to silence you. They want to shut you up. They want you to be in fear, so paralyzed and gripped with fear. He wants to shut the church up. The devil's afraid of a church that's going to talk about how we're going to love instead of hate. How we're going to not be, a, we're going to move beyond racism. How we're going to, we're going to help the hurting and broken. The devil doesn't want the church to be shouting. The devil doesn't want you to be talking about the dreams and the things that God has put inside of you. He wants you to be silent. He wants his voice to ring out. But see, you need to control the narrative in the valley. We need to begin to control the volume level of what's being declared in our homes. Don't let the Disney Channel be the only thing your kids hear. See, because they're out there to try to tell a generation what relationships and love look like. They're out there to tell us all those things. Don't let you raise the level of God's word in your home. You decide what it's going to be. Raise the level of God's word in the valley. Don't let the giant control the narrative. Begin to speak about the destiny of God. Begin to elevate the voice of God in your life. Number six, giant killers talk back to their giants. We've got to talk back to our giants. My God is bigger than you, giant. You might be big. You might think you're strong. But my God is greater than anything I face. He's given me his spirit. He's given me ability. My God is greater than you. What do you got? Let's go. Come on, David was always running towards the giant, never backing away. Verse 45, David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel whom you've defied. Today the Lord will conquer you. See, David just pointing out the battles of the Lord. We show up in the valley. We step, we run towards that giant, but the battle is the Lord's. You're not fighting alone. You don't have to do this thing alone. God is fighting for you. Yeah, we got to show up. We got to be in the valley. We got to be there. But the battle belongs to the Lord. Today, he said, the Lord will conquer you. And I will kill you, cut off your head. Then I'll give your dead, the dead bodies of your men to the birds of the wild animals. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. We got to talk back to our giants. See, we think that we're facing something and it's about us. But David is saying here, it's not even that I'll, my name will be great. Everyone will know that there's a God in Israel. See, when we kill that giant, man, other people are going to see how good God was in our life. And it's going to give you the opportunity to make a difference in their lives, to help them overcome the giants in their life. The giants we face are not about us, right? Even the scars that we have. I was thinking about scars this week because I have one on my thumb. Scars were never meant to keep you from doing something. After I cut my thumb on my table saw, it took me a long time where I could get back to my saw. Like, because I was like, I don't want this to happen again. I was a little freaked out. I was like trying to work through this. But man, it was never intended to keep me from something that God had for me. Scars were just there to remind me how I overcame. 
to remind you how you overcame, to be an example, to be a light to somebody else. Number seven, giants, giant killers attack their giants quickly. See, the longer you wait to attack that giant, the stronger he's gonna get, the bigger he's gonna get. The longer you let that addiction build in your house, the harder it's gonna be to cut that thing off. The stronger that thing comes on, cut it off quickly. The day David heard Goliath's voice, he ran out with faith to that thing. He attacked the giant and cut its head off that day. He didn't play around with it. Let me see how many more days. I know it's been 40 days. Can we go another 40 and just let him be yelling and we can be okay? No, man, he moved out in faith. He attacked that thing quickly. Verse 48 is, Goliath moved in to attack. David ran out to meet him. He reached into his shepherd's bag, took out a stone. He hurled it at the giant with a sling and hit the Philistine in the forehead. See, there's always a weak spot in the giant. I believe even in this moment today, God is beginning to reveal to you those weaknesses, the strategies you need to take out the giant in your life. The stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and he fell face down on the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine with only a sling and a stone, for he had no sword. David ran over. He pulled out Goliath's sword, and he, David used it to kill him, to cut off his head. God wants you to finish strong. He wants you to finish strong, to have triumph over those things, to cut the head off of those things. Man, don't delay. Whatever it takes, man, run after that thing with faith. Show up in the valley. Run with faith out in there, out into the valley, and God will fight those battles for you. He will give you victory over those things, and you will cut the head off of those things. You don't have to be what those fears are telling you to be. You don't have to let intimidation make you run and hide in the cave. You don't have to let fear try to choke you out. Man, you run at that thing with faith, and God is fighting on your side. I don't know what the giants are that you're facing today. But I believe that God is here and faith is rising up in this place inside of your heart to be giant killers. Let's just take this moment together and pray together. Lord, I thank you. You're raising up giant killers.